1: Hi, I'm Wright Anderson. If you would like a quick course on how to become morose, negative, self-centered, depressed and in the end small-minded, then your one-stop shop is atheism and or indifference to spiritual things. Now, before you turn me off and label me as frivolous, and I assure you I'm not, I would like you to hear from one of the world's greatest exponents of atheism. This is from the late Christopher Hitchens.
0: I mean, I think it's very good to know that we're born into a losing struggle. I think that the stoicism that comes from that and the reflection that comes from that is very useful. I'm not very impressed by people who say, well, I wish it wasn't true, so I'll try and act as if it isn't. It is true. Everything is governed by entropy and and decline and annihilation and disaster. And um, you're born into a losing struggle and because you're a mammal primate, primate mammal, you know you are and you know you're going to die and that there will be a lot of struggle and pain on the way. I don't want a world without anxiety and grief and pain and struggle. I want, I, I, I can't get it.
1: No one's saying I, you can But those who offer it to me,
0: I spurn the gift. I don't want what you want. I don't want the feeling of eternal love and peace.
1: I, for one, don't want to live my life feeding on depression and melancholy, needing alcohol saturated with a rich helping of hedonism of prescription pharmaceuticals as a crutch to get me through a day. I don't want it, and I don't need it. And this says something of the impact the two worldviews of atheism and Christianity has on the person. Let me now turn to one of the world's wittiest men, a comic genius, some would say. Woody Allen, when he was talking about atheism.
0: It's turbulence, you know, I'm an atheist. This is my um, perspective and has always been my perspective on life. I uh, have a very grim, pessimistic view of it. I always have, since I was a little boy, it hasn't uh, gotten worse with age or anything. I do feel that it's a grim, painful nightmarish, meaningless experience <laughs> uh, and that the only way that you can be happy is if you tell yourself some lies and deceive yourself and and I'm not the first person to say this or the, the most articulate person on it it was said by, by Nietzsche it was said by Freud, it was said by Eugene O'Neill one must have uh, one's delusions to live if you look at life too honestly and clearly uh, life does become unbearable because it's a pretty grim enterprise, you will admit. So uh, I do feel that um, those two people are the only two people that are happy. They are capable of deluding themselves. They live. If I saw them at a party in real life, I would think that they were foolish people and dumb and silly, and I would laugh at them, but they would be happier than me. So that is the way I feel about it, and we can discuss this privately later.
1: Those listening are laughing. They think he's doing a routine for their entertainment. But Woody Allen is opening up, reflecting on the emptiness, the baseness, the pointlessness of a life that has entered its sunset years. He describes a life that has attempted to do everything a person with means is is capable of. But what is the result? Melancholy and pessimism. "'Few people have impacted the entertainment world "'like Robin Williams. "'He made the world laugh with his wit, "'but he hung himself with his own belt "'in his palatial home in 2014.' People commit suicide for various reasons, but behind each one is a loss of hope. But if the richest and most gifted people in the world can't find hope for the future, what chance do the rest of us have who will never have the wealth and opportunities that are the fruits reserved for the more gifted of our communities? Alfred Tennyson said, Hope smiles from the threshold of the year to come, whispering, It will be happier. Good words, and we have just enough optimism to believe they could be true. Theocritus was a Greek poet who wrote these words nearly 300 years before the time of Christ. He said, "'Where there's life, there's hope.'" The inverse is sadly true, though. There is no hope. Where there is no hope, what's the point of going on? The young and experienced, to a certain extent, are protected or shielded from melancholy, from pessimism, the brutal reality found in the hollow world of materialism. But after having experienced their fair share of life, when the luster of the world is dim, tarnished by the hurly-burly of living, questions do come to the mind. And each one of us has a choice either to ignore them or pursue them questions such as what is the purpose of life what happens to me when I die King Solomon asked the same searching questions after restraining himself or surrendering himself to unrestrained wantonness for many a long year his thoughts are found in the book of Ecclesiastes with this conclusion in the final two verses of the book Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. This was King Solomon's conclusion that despite the boastful denials that God doesn't exist, despite the profligate living, there will always come back to each man and each woman the reality that our lives are not ours to abuse as we please. But there will come a recompense. Our lives will be reviewed by God our Creator, the judgment of which will be made manifest at the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John, Jesus makes the very same point three times regarding the resurrection at the second coming of christ or his coming in john chapter 6 this is what he says and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and i will raise him up at the last day No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And now in verse 54 it says, Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, says Jesus, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. These are the words of Jesus referring to the righteous, resurrected at Christ's second coming. But there is another resurrection for the lost, those who have been indifferent of spiritual themes or completely ignored God, edited him out of his life. This is found in John chapter 5 verse 28 and 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Here, Jesus describes two resurrections. The resurrection of life for those who have acknowledged and wanted to please God in their lives and the resurrection of condemnation for those who have chosen another course for the life given them of God. In the book of Revelation, we have the remarkable vision given to us by John describing the judgment scene after the second resurrection, the resurrection of condemnation in Revelation chapter 20. It says this, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works." This is a dramatic scene and while anti-theists and atheists and the indifferent may say, well, I'm not going to be entertaining the idea of God in my life, that is not going to remove the reality of the Bible truth. Why deny it? There is no point putting your heads in the sand. Just because you choose to ignore the reality of God, it does not mean you are going to be exempt from what the Bible says. However, remember, it's not God's will for you or for me, for any of us for that matter, to be lost. And that is exactly the reason why Jesus died on the cross. It showed the Father's love for us. In the wonderful prophecy of Isaiah 53, written 724, years before the birth of Christ, we are given valuable insight into God's love for us. Because as terrible as it may be, it was the Father who caused Jesus to suffer on the cross because Jesus had to fulfill the just requirements of law justice had to be satisfied for Jesus to truly take our place in our place Jesus carried the guilt of our sins for our indiscretions for our thoughtless acts for all of our contemptible indulgences these and more were laid upon him as though he had committed them himself and he was punished and suffered accordingly that is a reflection of God the Father's love for us, that he went to those lengths for our salvation. But it also reveals the true love manifested in the person of Jesus Christ, that he submitted himself to the Father's will in order to purchase our redemption. The upshot of all this, what I've shared with you today, is there is hope for you whoever you are, if you are willing to believe, if you are willing to trust God, and it's so easy to do, and why not try? And to help you in this quest, I want to give you a free series of Bible reading guides called The Orchard Faith of Jesus Studies. There are 25 engaging, easy-to-use studies, which will give you an excellent understanding of the entire Bible, including the most important teachings found therein. And all you have to do to receive these gifts from us is send me an email with your name, postal address and phone number two. Info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au that is info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au or go to our website the locate the tab mark contact us fold the prompts and we will mail the study guides to you wherever you are in the world. Well, our time has passed so quickly again, but I do look forward to being with you next time. Remember this, the truth has nothing to fear from investigation. I'm Rod Anderson. Goodbye for now. You have
0: been listening to Unchained. We look forward to your company here next time on 3ABN Australia Radio as we continue this series with Pastor Rod Anderson.
2: They say what doesn't kill us makes us strong. Before the dawn But all A short one. Sometimes I So hold on, because we have this hope.
1: Thank you, Melody Shelton Firestone, for that song, We Have This Hope.